All right, hello everyone, and uh, welcome to the Ultimate Comics Podcast. Um, my name is Nabil. I'm one of your hosts, and I am Josh, the other host. Yeah, we uh, we talk about not just comics in general. I mean, some might consider this to be the Ultimate Comics Podcast, and if you do, we are very flattered. But we really call it that because we are talking about Ultimate Marvel. Uh, this line that started in the early 2000s, at beginning of the 21st century, where they tried to modernize their characters. They started fresh. Like, the main line of comics continued onwards, the ones that had been started since, like, you know, 60s and even before that. But uh, they started the ultimate line, and they started a whole new universe and started from scratch for new readers. Uh, we just covered Ultimate Spider-Man in our last episode, which we both love. And now we are going on to Ultimate X-Men, which I personally had never read before. Uh, Josh, uh, you said you've read this before? Yes, yes. Um, I mean, for the podcast, of course, I had to reread it. But I did read this before, and this was actually one of my first real forays into X-Men that wasn't a TV show or a cartoon or a movie. Oh, seriously? So, like, yeah, one of your first exposures to X-Men was Ultimate X-Men. What else would you say, like, really like influenced your perception of the X-Men? I mean, I think, what was it? Less of the movies, but more so, like, the cartoons, like Wolverine and the X-Men. Mm-hmm. And what was it? The X-Men anime series, X-Men Evolution really influenced my views on the X-Men. I think recently, I never really... I always kept the distance from X-Men simply because, like, I've always had trouble conceptualizing, like, the difference between mutants and mutates in Marvel. And, and Marvel does try to keep them somewhat separate. So, like, I never really got to invest it in mutants and X-Men, especially because it was, I always felt, as far as Marvel went, it was the most complicated thing. I think why, after college is when I really started getting into X-Men, I think you're the one who caught me up on the Krakoa stuff and since then, I've been rereading stuff. I really got into New Mutants, so... Yeah, yeah, Krakoa, the, the current era of the X-Men now, they've had, like, a huge renaissance uh, almost, like, in the past couple of years with, like, everything Jonathan Hickman and, like, the whole, like, X-Men line has done. Like, they've, like, launched a bunch of new titles and it's a whole new status quo. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm glad that I was able to help get you ca- uh, caught up on that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm with you there for sure. I think it's hard sometimes to differentiate the X-Men from other heroes. It's like, why are the X-Men feared, but no one else is? But it's like, you know, I think the main argument usually is like, well, the X-Men are mutants, so they're like a natural evolutionary stage. Like they're the next line. But I guess a lot, some people wouldn't even know that. Some people would just see them all the same. I guess that's why you do get in the comics sometimes like hatred for like the Avengers or Spider-Man or someone. But, you know, I, I do see your point there. I personally got into the X-Men uh, mainly through uh, the animated series from the 90s. That was I I love that. Like you said, Wolverine and the X-Men, too, when it came out. I never really got into X-Men Evolution. But uh, and when I got into the comics, I love the Chris Claremont run. That spanned from like 1975 to like 1991. It was really long, but like, in my mind, like it's like a masterpiece. And a lot of people will say that. I mean, this is like what defined the X Men. But that's what I see when I see the X Men. I see Chris Claremont's run and all the characters he like worked with and developed and the storylines. And uh, yeah, for me, I think the X Men are like 
they're my personal favorite superhero team for sure. They're just awesome. Uh, movies, I, I have opinions about. I, I'm not a fan of most of the movies, but what, what do you think of the movies, Josh? I'm gonna have to agree with you there. You know, um, with the exception of a handful, like especially Logan, Deadpool, they're they're not really great either as comic movies or just by themselves. Like the X Men movies, most of them are basically '90s action movies made a decade late, in my opinion. And like the two best, the Deadpool movies and Logan, are basically parodies or like commentary on X Men movies. So, you know, I kind of feel they don't really count if they're like the whole thing is they're making fun of or criticizing your genre. Yeah, I mean, Deadpool, Deadpool does whatever it wants. Like those movies, I love those movies. But yeah, you're totally on point there. I mean, they're mainly just there when it comes to X-Men. I mean, to like provide meta commentary on that. But like Deadpool is its own thing. Uh, when people ask about X-Men movies, I don't even think about Deadpool because it's like its own like other. It's a different level, I think. Uh, I'm a fan of like X-Men First Class and Logan, like you said, but I mean, it's yeah, rare exceptions. I don't think like the originals have aged very well. I rewatched X2 the other day and I was like, eh, I I don't get why it was so big. Yeah, and and I also like partially it's not Marvel or Sony's fault in this regard, but I also kind of blame like people. Often people, if you meet people on the street, they might not exactly realize that the X-Men and the Avengers and the comics are in the same universe. And going back to what we talked about earlier, it's because Marvel itself, in my opinion, hasn't always done a good job differentiating between mutants and people with powers and other superheroes. And I think they've been breaking more and more of their rules recently on that. Yeah, I I think I see what you mean there. Uh, It's hard to tell, like, where the line is. But I think... When you take the X-Men, like, in their own context, it is kind of nice to see, like, all right, like, there are heroes that are, like, loved and, like, adored and, like, publicized. I think the Avengers and the Fantastic Four just have a lot better branding. Uh, The X-Men don't have great branding. I think part of it is just, like, being mutants and being born that way, so it's hard to, like, break in there. But, like, it's fun to see, like, different sides of the universe. Like, some people are popular, some are unpopular, and how, like, you know, the the different, like, the social hierarchy of superheroes, I think you might say. Yeah. It, and, and I also really like, is that, like, the X-Men aren't not just, in my opinion, they're not, they're often not even superheroes. They're more like their own society doing their own thing. Oh, especially yeah. Especially now. Yeah, mutant kind has, like, developed into, like, its own different world and its own society. Because you don't just have the X-Men anymore. You've got, like, the new mutants. You've got X-Force and Excalibur. And like all these different groups, and uh, it's it's its own little world. I mean, that's why you have a whole line for the X Men. I mean, the Avengers, sure, you've got Avengers, maybe like West Coast Avengers. They've had a bunch of different like spinoff teams of the Avengers too. But I personally don't think like the movies like definitely helped like elevate the Avengers status. But I think like they still don't have like as wide of a universe as like the x-men do i mean they're all in the same universe but i mean they don't have like as broad of a sphere in my opinion anyways and one thing i find really interesting is that whenever especially recently is whenever the x-men and the avengers meet in an x-men comic the whether it's ultimate or 616 the old ventures are often antagonistic they're like we work for shield the un and the u.s government and like we weren't we're not afraid to like burst into the x-mansion like 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 occupy it for a few months and then leave 
Yeah, I mean, the Avengers are like the varsity athletes in the Marvel Universe's high school. They're like, you know, they're the big team. They're like a basketball team. They're like the jocks. They're like the popular kids. And the X-Men are kind of like on the outside, on the fringes, you know, the weird kids. And so, yeah, there's definitely some tension. I I like it when they cooperate, though. It's nice to see that happen, like on the rare occasion you do. Like, I think in recent years, they've made them a little more confrontational than they used to be. Uh, I I do like seeing some cooperation between just heroes in the Marvel Universe in general, because they tend to fight quite a bit. And, yeah, and I also agree with that, because I think think my favorite is whenever there's a mutant on the Avengers team. I always love it when there's a mutant on the Avengers team. Yeah. Formerly Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. A lot of people talk about how, like, Beast is just better on uh the avengers than he is on the x-men and i kind of agree with that especially like in recent years when beast kind of became like kind of a terrible like person in general uh but he shows up in sometimes in the avengers even in recent years and he still comes off like he's a lot more fun like witty lighthearted, and just like a lot just a better like hero than he is on the x-men uh he's become just a huge jerk in the x-men in my opinion and I think some people agree with that. But on the Avengers, he's so fun. Yeah. And I think Marvel or the writers have unwillingly, maybe they did willingly, but maybe it is unwilling. They kind of did some weird commentary of how, like, the X-Men, they're, like, fun at first. And, I mean, there's always this element of persecution because they're always a stand-in for a persecuted sexuality, minority, a race, a religion, etc. And, you know, as all these traumatic things happen with Genosha, um, Decimation, and, like... Um, you just get these typical like heroic X-Men like Cyclops, Professor X, Beast get more and more radicalized. Yeah, it's hard to like keep the faith, I think, in that sense, when you've gone through so much just as a mutant. Mutants have seen some terrible stuff. And uh, yeah. I think that's what makes them so endearing. I mean, they have to deal with not only like persecution and like just a society that hates and fears them, but they also have to deal with like regular threats that superheroes have to deal with. They're like fighting battles on two different fronts, which I think makes them, in my opinion, a lot more endearing than a team like the Avengers because they're not just trying to save the world. They're trying to like survive in a world that hates and fears them. I think it's noble that they still pursue that cause of like heroism, even in a world that like just persecutes them for years. And you you read more of Avengers. I mean, not, I mean both Avengers and X Men more than I. But like, I kind of feel like the are they like I think is you could debate whether you could call the X Men really superheroes because most of the time when they fight, um, their villains are like Mister Sinister, or Magneto. They're like other mutants or like the Purifier, Sentinels, Nimrod. They're like threats to them. It, it, like, I always kind of felt the X Men are kind of like the Black Panthers or or like a militant group designed to protect their own species and do some PR as well? Uh, I don't know. I don't really see that as much. Sometimes they are like protecting themselves from like sentinels and things like that. But I think if they're fighting someone like Magneto or say Proteus or Sinister or someone else, a lot of the time they're not just fighting people that are threats to them, but to the whole world. Like there's like an evil mutant that's out there trying to like attack people and destroy humanity, you know, something like that. Or just a supervillain in general. I mean, they've been to space. They've like fought for other worlds and planets. Um, those are some of the best times, I think, with the X-Men. Is They're not just fighting for themselves. 
they fought like vampires and uh, like all sort like all sorts of different uh, creatures and beings. I think that's what makes them so cool. They like fight on all fronts. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But uh, I think now that we've rambled on about, I mean, we could go on about the X Men in general just forever. So please, like, uh, we we got to keep ourselves in check here. Why don't we uh, get into? We covered the first twelve issues of uh, Ultimate X Men, the first two story arcs. Uh, Josh, what do you think? Uh, re- reading these comics, what did you think of them? So reading and rereading them. Um, here's the thing: I, I we talked about this before the podcast um, start uh, before we started this episode. We agreed. Um, it, they're very readable. They're fun to read, though. Like. As with most problems with Ultimate Marvel, it's very, especially Mark Millar's Ultimate Marvel, it hasn't aged. It's not like the X Men movie, X Men movies where they, where you watch them and they're just out of place. They're out of place, but like you can still read them. They're like a time capsule. The, the origin, the fourteen issues of Ultimate X Men. They're very much a time capsule of early two thousands fashion, early two thousands edgy comic and like fiction style, and like it early two thousands like politics with like Bush and. Like, al-qaeda and stuff yeah i i totally see that i think that's kind of why i enjoyed it a bit i mean just growing up at that time you can see how they tried uh to modernize things a bit so like the first story arc the first six issues uh centers around magneto and the brotherhood of evil mutants and you know their threat to the world and like the x-men trying to deal with that and uh there's like it opens and there's like a lot of newscasting and they're reporting on like mutant attacks and it's very reminiscent of the yeah definitely like it's post 9 11 things like you know dealing with terrorism like al-qaeda and bin laden and you see that in magneto and his brotherhood of evil mutants i mean they even have their own like lair, like secret lair, you know, in the in the hidden in the Savage Land, which I think was really cool. He's got like a whole society of mutants, but you definitely see that political parallel. They are definitely like modern day terrorists, and I I think it works for the time period for sure. Yeah, and you know, and and then like they it, but and also like not something else they carried over from like modern or not even modern. Like I guess it still happens, but like especially back then when it was uh, on the news every day, it was like, they had like, Magneto is like the leader of like this, is uh, is like this, rel- I was going to say quasi-religious figure, but he is a really religious figure. He has like, he sets up this death cult, like he has suicide bombers. They have like cells in different areas. He has like the t- Mutant Ten Commandments tattooed onto the back, onto his back. Yeah, I mean, this first story arc is really Magneto heavy because it's all about Magneto he sends Wolverine. This is a big change. Wolverine is like on his brotherhood of evil mutants. And he sends him as like a spy to murder Professor Xavier. And there's like a big conflict between them. And Wolverine actually ends up like buying into Xavier's dream and becoming one of the X-Men. And so he turns on him and like, you know, there's a big conflict like Magneto kidnaps uh the president's daughter the x-men have to save her then uh sentinels are sent to the savage land magneto repels them and they just like start attacking like humankind i think it attacks dc and the x-men have to save them it's very magneto heavy and i think you see you get a lot of insights into like you know magneto himself and just how dark and twisted he can really be 
Oh, oh yeah. And um, Magneto, in like for those who don't know and may have only watched the movies and stuff, Magneto in Six One Six has like he's not like completely good. His he has like this crazy streak to him, but there's some like no nobility and like nobility to him. Like if you ask him, like, "Hey, do you hate humans?" He'll say, "I don't hate humans. We're just the next step of humans." And he has like he goes like, "I'm doing this to protect mutants. I'm not. It's not just of this crazy hatred of humanity." This Magneto is different. He has like the president lick his shoes. He goes, he's, it's revealed he's he eats humans sometimes or in the past. Yeah, and he, he just goes, if humans don't talks surrender. About that. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, you know, I, I haven't tasted human flesh in a while or something like that. It's just so casual. Yeah, and and after when he takes over the White House, he goes after he has Bush lick his shoes. Yes, that's Bush and is naked in the comic. Um, yeah, he's he naked. goes like, if you don't. Yeah. He goes, if you don't surrender, I'm gonna like we're gonna attack humanity and turn you like inform you for breeding and for food. Yeah, this Magneto is definitely like I think we were talking in our introductory episode about how they like exaggerate a lot of the characteristics of these characters from the original Marvel universe, and in the ultimate universe they just like take it up to eleven. So Magneto is just brutal. I think there's a scene he's like talking to a world leader and he uses his powers of controlling magnetism to like rip this guy's pacemaker out. It is brutal. Yeah. This guy is like not messing around. He's like a hardcore terrorist and like radicalist and I I think it really works in the context of this story. I'm like that is intense. I yeah and it's also revealed in if you read Ultimate Marvel Origins that uh, I think it's Ultimate Marvel Marvel Origins that this Magneto actually has a different origin story than the original Magneto. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, we'll probably get to that at one point, but I think it's, I don't know, it's interesting to see like different takes on the character. It's funny how we're talking about Magneto first. I think Magneto, as a character generally, pops up like on the, the top of the list whenever anyone talks about the X-Men because he's like, always going to be like one of the most interesting aspects i think he's like one of the best villains in comics for sure yeah because he's at times very sympathetic and he has like this noble quality to him like in the recent x-men runs a bunch of human refugees get like smuggled into Krakoa, and he goes like i'm gonna let you live because it's the right thing to do and if i do the right thing it's gonna be good pr and that's and there's this noble quality to like i'm not saying i don't He's a villain. He's he's a bad dude. <laughs> but there's a noble quality to him. Yeah, yeah. We just want everyone to know we do not look up to or admire Magneto. He's sympathetic, uh, but I would not go around using my powers of uh, as the master of magnetism to terrorize humanity. Yeah. I also wouldn't call myself Magneto. I know we talked about this. It's a silly name. I don't know. I think it's got a nice quality to it. I mean, it's charming. I don't know. I like it. It's not. It doesn't strike fear or anything. It's like, oh, I'm Magneto. Like, if he just calls himself the master or the magnet, ma- master of magnets, I think that's like a much master more master of magnets. That is lame. Are you no, kidding me? I mean, like master of magnetism. Like, you know, just go by that. Don't just, go by this Magneto stuff. And um, I love long. how, like, in the comics, you yeah, it's a little too long. You can't say master of magnetism every time. You got to shorten it. And be like master or ma- like. You know, it's, exactly. it's not the same ring as Magneto. The Master. That's the like master. a good villain name. I'm sure it's taken. I'm pretty sure someone has taken the Master. Doctor Marvel Who has a DC. villain called the Master. Aha. Uh-huh. Doctor Who. 
it's at least in Doctor Who. It's I know it's it's got to be in something else, but like in I think in both I'm pretty sure they do in six one six. And when he chooses the Magneto, like mute, there's like flashbacks where like mutants go, "You sure you want to go by Magneto?" It's like a silly name. Hey, he he sells it. It's all in the delivery. That guy is so terrifying. I would I'd call him Magneto. I'd call him Magneto every time I see him because he's call- he's a genuinely scary dude. I'll call him Eric or Lencher or whatever his, or yeah, it's I'll call Eric, him that. Eric, he he can deliver Eric. I just think Magneto is just like oof, and the helmet and everything. It's it sells the whole piece. Like he's he's just a theatrical guy. Look at the cape, the helmet, and everything. I think he sells the whole package. He owns it. Yeah, I admire I just, his showmanship. I just don't think the name Magneto is very scary. Um. Look at like the other villains, the Green Goblin, Doctor Doom. Those are scary villain names. It's a little too much alliteration. Like I like the names, but I mean, you're telling me those are better than Magneto somehow? Yes, they're scary. They're villainous. Green Goblin is not scarier than Magneto. Green Goblin. Its goblins are scary. I mean, he yeah, that Goblin is sure, but I mean, Green Goblin. They could have just called him the Goblin by this logic. I mean, why do they have to put his color in front of the name? I think that's a little silly. It's, it's scary. Like Hobgoblin, good villain name. Green Goblin, good villain name. Doctor Doom, good villain name. Ronan the Accuser, really good. I mean, that's okay, just Ronan the name and the title, cool, but but that's an awesome title. Anyways, which one? Uh, Ronan. That's an awesome Ronan the Accuser. Like I think the Cree title, he sells it. It's perfect. Yeah, it's a good villain name, not Magneto. Okay, we could do an entire episode just talking about names. Let's let's get let's get more into Ultimate X Men. We're veering off course here, okay. Mister. I think Green Goblin's a better name than Magneto. Jeez. All right, we'll set that aside for now. Let's talk a little bit about the team, like the characters. I mean, I think we were talking before about our thoughts. They made some changes to the characters. Uh, which character do you want to start with? I think we should start with like just either the first or the second. Uh, main X-Men to be introduced, and I think we should talk about Jean Grey first. Ooh, Jean Grey. I have some thoughts on Jean Grey and this series. Jeez. Please, yeah. you go first. Well, so like I guess there's like the classic thing where like in the anime series and in the original comics, before we found out, like Jean Grey is like an Omega-level mutant who like eats a planet. Um, she was kind of useless. Marvel Jean Grey and Marvel Girl was kind of useless. And in this one, she's very not useless. But they kind of take the not useless part and take it up to 11. Yeah, I mean, she kind of uses her powers a little questionably. I mean, just in the opening pages, I mean, she does things that regular Jean from Earth 616 just wouldn't do. She's, like, using her powers to, like, manipulate people mentally and, like, make them see things and just go pat. And I'm just, like, I'm thinking it's getting a little questionable. I mean, she has a confidence uh, that... Earth 616 Gene didn't really have until later on. Like in the original comics, like early Gene was just like the token uh, woman on the group, and she kind of just didn't do much because it's 1960 Ms. Marvel where women are just treated other, just horribly. But still, yeah, you're right. They overcorrected with Gene in this version. She she goes overboard sometimes. She she's like she's also like dressed as a biker chick. Like Jean Grey, until like much later in the Ultimate comic series, does not have a very 
in my opinion, she has a very controversial costume. You know, like the criticism people make about comics and video games where they're like, where all the girls are dressed really scantily. You know that criticism? Yeah, yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, uh, Jean Grey and is until much later on, Jean Grey and to a certain degree Storm are basically dressed like that in this comic. They're like giant midriffs. They're in like leather oh, um, yeah. sports bras as their, as their uniform. This is like their militant uniform is just like a leather sports bra and like really tight leather pants. And just think that Professor X designed this. That says a lot about Professor X himself. I think we should talk about, because I think I ha- might have the biggest problem with Professor X here. Oh, yeah. Woof. Like, he does some shady shit. I will just say that. Uh, I think it's in the first story arc. Uh, it's after the X-Men have fought the Brotherhood. They saved the president's daughter. Cyclops is really mad, and he just wants to leave. Professor X tries to use his mental powers to persuade Scott to stay. He, like, tries to induce some kind of weird pheromone, whatever, like, hormonal reaction in his brain and get him to stay. And I'm like, that's a big red flag. Like, just going in, like, in the first issue, you see Professor X, like, in his study, or I think he's with Cerebro or something like that, and the X-Men go in, and he's, like, holding a cat in his wheelchair, and it's like, he looks like a Bond villain. He looks like Blofeld. It is insane. Yeah. He's he also, very like, sinister. Brain- he also brainwashes and mind wipes all the workers in the house and the mansion. Yeah, there's a lot of questionable use of his powers. He does that. He like uses his mental powers to convince everyone on the outside that this is just like a regular school, and it doesn't say Xavier's Institute on the outside. And I'm like, I don't know. That's you're stretching it a bit. Like he and yeah. Jean Grey use their mental powers for so many like outlandish purposes. Like Jean, I think in the first story arc is like sewing up beast and like giving him surgery because like he gets injured in that fight with the brotherhood and she's like ah i'm just using like my telepathy to like read the minds of a bunch of surgeons far away i'm like that's a little that's a little much it's a little stretch i i I thought that was kind of cool what but i still thought that scene was problematic because then they're like we don't know if this will work but like this surgeon thinks this has like a chance of working on a patient like this so we're going to try out this experimental process on you beast and that's what turns (laughs) it blue and this is spoilers for later on but professor x is is very much an awful person through and through in the ultimate series to the point that if this if this if he was real the ultimate version of professor x was real he would have been me too by now Oh, no doubt. I mean, gosh. Yeah, I think a lot of people hate on Professor X in the regular universe, and some of that is justified. He has done some questionable things, especially in recent years. But in Ultimate Universe, as we said before, they take it up to 11. So they're like, he's going to be like one of the most manipulative manipulative people on the face of the planet. And uh, we'll just leave it at that. Professor X is a jerk, as Kitty yep. Pride famously said, and she was right. Yeah. I mean, this one takes... I don't even think jerk is the right word to describe it for Professor X in the oh, Ultimate yeah. Universe. I think we need, like, a a bastard. No, like, bastard is, like, exactly the correct word for this. Yeah, I mean... I think there are so many colorful words we could use to describe Professor X. But uh, speaking of Beast, as you were saying, they do have kind of a different take on Beast here. I mean, he's introduced, and he's kind of, like, hanging out in a bar, and he's, like in a Hawaiian shirt and like 
I just remember, you know, the Beast I know, I mean, he's still very smart, intellectual guy like he is in the main universe, but he's definitely like a little, I don't know, they take it a little edgier, I think, with Beast sometimes. And uh, the process that they use to like get his fur blue, like in the original comics, is very creative. And this one, like we said earlier, it's because Professor X and Jean Grey don't think about the consequences and just ex use experimental, surgical, and medical techniques on him, which turns his skin in fur blue. Yeah, I mean, it's a fun, like, nod to it at first, and you're like, oh, this is fun, but at the same time, it's like, you guys fucked up, oh my gosh. Like, yeah. wow, you turn, like, it's fine because at first his hair wasn't, like, blue all over his body, but still, he had, like, blue hair on his head and everything. Uh, this yeah. version of Beast also develops, like, a romance with Storm, which was very different. I wasn't, I didn't mind, but, like, I was like, oh, that's a pretty big shift. Like, they've never really had a thing uh, in the main comics, as far as I know, anyways. I could be yeah. wrong, but that is something else. I think it's it's kind of cute. They, like, I think the team in general, they assemble very early on. Like, in the first issue, they, like, immediately, like, Cyclops and Jean Grey were the first two X-Men, apparently. And they just recruit, like, uh, Storm, Colossus, Iceman, uh, Beast, or Iceman later. But, like, Storm, Colossus, and Beast. And they're like, all right, throw on your uniforms. We're going to be X-Men. And I think the funniest thing is, like, the first thing they do is, like, we're not going to train you. Let's go out and rescue another unit. And they, like, rescue Iceman from Sentinels and stuff. Oh, yeah. It's just like, it's crazy how fast it moves. I mean, they just throw together this ragtag team. And they're like, let's go saving mutants. And then after that, Iceman joins them and they go straight to saving Wolverine from Weapon X. And I think that's kind of the point of this is that Ultimate Marvel, they're like, we don't want you to have to read 20 different issues to like, to, to see how like Kitty Pride knows Professor X. No, they're just going to do it. We're going to do one, two, three issues or even just one issue. Boom, team's assembled. You know, like, the back, you already know the general just of the X-Men. We assemble the team, you have your X-Men, good to go. Yeah, I mean, they do it really fast. It's different than Ultimate Spider-Man, where, like, they gave him, like, seven issues to explore his origin story. In, like, Ultimate X-Men, it's insane. They just throw together the team like that. It's just, it's just done. Uh, I no. mean, there's definitely some growth and a learning curve, but I think what they want is, like, they want to explore that growth more than, like, let's spend each issue finding a new mutant. And I think that really works. I mean, you find them all in different places. Like, uh, yeah, what are you going to say? And I was going to say, like, by the second issue, you get introduced to, like, five more X-Men. They, like, find, like, they find new additions to their team, like, a couple new additions every story arc. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I mean, the team they have here, it's solid. I mean, I think, uh, let's see, who do we got that we haven't really touched on much? Uh, we were talking about Storm uh, before yeah. we got on, talking about she's very different in personality-wise from her original version, like the Earth-616 Storm. She's one of my favorite characters, and, like, she's, like, so elegant and confident. She's, like, seen as, like, this weather goddess and, like, powerful, and she's just cool. I think they introduce us to Storm here, and she's, like, she's a little more unsure of herself. She's a little, like, yeah, less confident. She she's a likes criminal? More, yeah, well, she was a criminal originally in the comics, uh, okay. in the uh, main comics. But, yeah, she they do find her, like, pick her up in a jail cell and, like, 
she speaks very casually and it seems like she she is more often than not the voice of like temptation when she's like maybe magneto is right maybe we should just say screw the humans like why are we protecting them and that's very different from storm from the main universe oh yeah and next up i think is because i think storm i think she explored in ultimate marvel very well i'm not saying i say i like all of it but she does get a lot of story arcs later on and and where she kind of ages into like the storm we know in 616 to a certain degree yeah, I can see it because I really like a moment like near the end of the first story arc where like they're, the X-Men are fighting to save Washington, D.C. from the Sentinels and Storm like just has this moment of like she just I don't know. It's like a piece of character growth where she just uses her lightning to just destroy a bunch of Sentinels. And it was really cool because like early on in the first few issues, you see her like, you know, fainting after using her powers and like struggling with confidence and just like, you know, handling it physically. But yeah, I think you're right. Like hopefully as we continue on we'll see more with storm and I, I, you're right i like the way her character progresses also this is a sidebar she does have a crush on colossus in these first few issues she goes like i'd rather have colossus than beast yeah i guess she just settles for the smart one i yeah. mean i don't know who would you pick colossus or beast um ultimate colossus or, or regular colossus Let's say between the ultimate versions, because if it was like main ones, I would totally go with Colossus. Um, I'm gonna have to say Beast, because Ultimate Colossus also is kind of a is problematic later on. Oh gosh, I don't want to know. We've just read the first. I mean, I personally have only read the first twelve issues, so right now he seems pretty cool. But dang it, my illusion's gonna be shattered soon. Oh yeah, that's the same with all these Ultimate characters. Boom, boom, boom. Well, I I really liked Colossus in these first 12 issues. I mean, it was different. He starts off instead of just like, you know, a stable farm boy, like growing up in Russia. He is in the U.S. already, and he's working for like the Russian mob, which is a lot. It's a, it's a darker twist on the character, but it's you still get to see like his core traits and like he's doing this to support his family back home. He's still like very much a family man uh, from what we see of him. And I kind of like, uh, yeah, I kind of like seeing him grow uh, as they go on. Like a lot, of, most of the team, I like seeing them grow for sure. But uh, Colossus, I think it's different. Like he's recruited by Jean Grey and she's like, don't worry about them anymore. When she's talking about the mob, like you're going to be safe now. You'll be fine. Your family will be fine. And you see like a little tear in his eyes. I'm like, oh, poor guy. Yeah. I wonder, I, I know this is never, I, I, I don't think this ever happens in Open Marvel. I always wonder if, like, there's characters in regular Marvel I really would have loved to see in adaptation, especially Ultimate Marvel. And I was always wondering, like, if you if, if Ilyana, like, magic is a thing in, in Ultimate Marvel. But I don't think so, because I don't think they ever talk about her directly or her as a mutant or a wizard. Yeah, uh, Colossus's sister, Ilyana Rasputin. Uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't read as much as you have in the Ultimate Universe, so I, I have no idea. But that would be cool. Uh his sister does become magic another mutant hero and she's awesome i know she's oh, yeah. like she's one of your favorites if not your favorite right josh uh favorite what oh like the mutants x-men you know oh yeah like she's objectively my favorite mutant of yeah the mutants. i mean this is high praise there are so many mutants out there so that's yeah. awesome yeah and, but yeah uh, um like you said colossus in the first few issues is very much colossus like a little like a slightly different take on colossus from the comics 
but it's still Colossus. Yeah, they still keep him the way he is at his core. But I guess now, reading in future issues, he's going to get ruined for me. So thanks, Ultimate Marvel. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And I think this one's worse because they didn't have to do what they did. What they did to Colossus and Ultimate Marvel, they didn't have to do. All right, all right. Let's leave it into. Let's leave it at that. I want to go in fresh, and I'm sure some of our listeners might too, if yeah. you know, if they're interested. But damn. All right, all right. We'll see. I think and, we should talk about Wolverine now. Ooh. Well, I think let's save him because there's some stuff to get into there. Let's talk about Iceman. Oh, I, Iceman! Yeah, Iceman, Iceman doesn't get much time, I think, to shine. But I think Iceman. Very, pun very much intended is very cool in this ultimate universe yeah i he's mean i really co- liked him he's this cocky squirt in yeah. the, the, in this version this version is like kind of a cocky squirt i mean yeah he's not much different from Iceman in the main universe where he's like the jokester and like the kid of the group and he's just like having a good time you know oh. and, and he has a very impressive power set i mean i love Iceman's powers He's an Omega level mutant, so like yeah. he does some crazy stuff with his. And uh, yeah, I think he's awesome. There's not really too much to say about him. I will say I do like. I don't like him later on in the Ultimate series. I do like him a lot whenever he's with Ultimate Spider-Man, though, because I always felt like these young folks always like young, like Human Torch, Spidey, and Ultimate Bobby get along pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I know what you mean. I read the Ultimates, all of Ultimate Spider-Man too, all the Peter Parker stuff, anyways. And yeah, it is cool later on seeing that little trio of Spider-Man and his amazing friends, Human Torch and Iceman. That's cool. But I mean, for right now, and I said cool again. Dang, I say it so much, but I, I really mean it. Pun fully intended. Yeah, put it on Iceman. Everything with Iceman is cool. All right. But let's get into Wolverine, like you're saying. What are your thoughts on Wolverine in this version, Josh? I mean, I feel Wolverine has... They changed a lot about Wolverine, but I think Wolverine is one of the characters you could do that to and and still like change a lot of key parts and still get a good character who's kind of still similar to 616 Wolverine. Yeah, I mean, like a lot of Ultimate characters, he's a bit of kind of just like a jerk more than you more so than usual especially since he starts off as like a member of magneto's brotherhood uh but i it's cheesy but i do like when he turns on magneto and he's like i'm with the x-men now and he literally stabs him in the back yeah after um he uh bangs gene gray in front of cyclops yes that is so i can we just talk about this this horrible romance they pull like i was reading it and i'm like that came out of nowhere that was just also one that doesn't make sense yeah i mean it's questionable enough she's like 19 and who knows how old he is in this story i mean there are flashbacks to him like in the whatever war he was in world war ii he is 80 ish in he should be around 80 ish it's just so it's so bad and like it kind of just it's not very well done like she's just like oh i hate you but i don't know why i'm attracted to you and they immediately start making out it's like two pages or so of just dialogue and it's in front of scott and it's and mulberry makes sure make sure it's in front of scott yeah i mean it's really bad um speaking of scott cyclops in this uh i i don't know how much different 
he is from like his main version from what I could tell from these first 12 issues but he does seem a little whinier like he joins the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants in the first story arc like you know after uh, they like save the president's daughter from the Brotherhood and they're still attacked by the US military uh, and he joins the Brotherhood for like five seconds and it's really funny. Like, he just, like, he stays pretty much the same Cyclops that he always was. Like, he's criticizing, like, people like Quicksilver and the Brotherhood for just, like, you know, not Sloppy. doing something on time. Yeah, just being sloppy and things like that. And it's, it's just so funny. He has his moments, though. He can be pretty badass. Yeah. And speaking of Quicksilver, uh, Wanda and Quicks and, and Pietro, in the early versions of Ultimate Marvel... They do it, I feel they do it well at first-ish. Yeah, I mean, I really like, honestly, I'm so sympathetic to Quicksilver in these first 12 issues because Magneto just, like, shits all over him. It is just relentless, and I'm like, give that boy a hug. Oh my gosh, he hates Quicksilver. And I think there's, like, there's this thing where, like, like, uh, Wanda, which is a weird thing about Wanda, and she gets weirder and weirder as this as Ultimate Marvel goes on, is that Wanda tells, uh, uh, it has like a Flash poetry reading, and she tells Magneto that after the Flash poetry reading, she's going to seduce Pietro, and um, seduce Cyclops, and um, Eric tells Cyclops this and says, like, whenever you see Quicksilver and me together, you could call me father, and I'm make like, sure it's in front of him. It's just so horrible and just terrible, and I just question why she would just like approach her own father and be like, yeah, I'm going to seduce this guy. Who says that? No one says that. No one, no one says, says that. that. And, then, and then to make it worse, like Eric goes, oh, like, Magneto goes, oh, not only am I cool with this, I want you to know, I want you whenever, like, after this happens, Scott, I want you to specifically point out to Quicksilver that, I, that you're my new son now. I'm just like, this is so wrong and terrible. Uh, I'm really glad yeah. at the end of the first story arc when they defeat Magneto, like Quicksilver is the one to like remove his helmet that like blocks telepathy so that Professor X can defeat him. And I'm like, yeah, good for you, Quicksilver. Don't take that yeah. from anyone, not even your dad. And what I really liked about Quicksilver and Wanda in this one, and I think it's somewhat similar to 616, is that like they're kind of like the least evil of the Brotherhood of Mutants, and they're the ones that go like, maybe we shouldn't hurt humans, and I thought that was a really cool thing they did, until, you know, they do other stuff with this character, I'm sure you're aware. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, completely. Uh, This happens later on for, like, both, like, it's like a weird thing that goes into both Ultimate Avengers and Ultimate X-Men, but like I whenever I see you watch an animated show, Quicksilver is like a really big villain. Yeah. And I think this is the one, despite the fact in this first few issues where Quicksilver is objectively the most heroic of the Brotherhood, the villain is Quicksilver, I think, from those that oh like they that, that like that like borderline sociopathic villainous animated Quicksilver comes from Ultimate Marvel. Weirdly yeah. enough. I mean totally. I saw that for sure in Wolverine and the X Men, that cartoon. X, like where Quicksilver is like pretty much he acts like a villain, uh, well borderline villain, but still like it's more villainous than like his main counterpart in the main Marvel universe, Earth Six One Six, and like this yeah. whole lineup of the Brotherhood in Ultimate Marvel is very reminiscent, not just of like the original Brotherhood in the '60s where he had that like, Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, Toad, Magneto, 
uh, I think did they have Mastermind still, right? Yeah. In, in Ultimate Marvel. Yeah, they have Mastermind. Yeah, Mastermind. Even the Blob. Uh, and I think that has translated into a lot of like popular cartoons and movies. Like I remember Wolverine and the X Men. It was almost the same lineup for the Brotherhood, except I think they added Domino for whatever reason. Uh, but yeah, you can see that influence for especially with Quicksilver, um, in like cartoons. Like I think you said X Men Evolution, right? Was he like kind of a villain there? Yeah, he was like the most other than Magneto. He was like the most villainous of the Brotherhood. Yeah, I think that totally. You're right. That comes from Ultimate Man. <laughs> he's, yeah. Yeah, he's more villainous here than he, like he's still he's still like a, a jerk in uh in the mainstream Marvel universe, but he's not as bad as like few people are as bad as like their ultimate counterpart in the Marvel universe. The the but the weird thing is in these first few issues, Quicksilver comes off hero- kind of heroic. He goes like, "We shouldn't do these things. We shouldn't blow up London or like." blow up washington dc with send those innocent people that he goes like I'm, i don't want to do this this is wrong yeah that's why i really like his hero moment at the end when he's like i'm gonna stop magneto i'm gonna help you guys yeah. i mean cyclops kind of convinces him which i think is really funny there's this really funny line of dialogue like some of the dialogue in this series we got to talk about it. it's really funny where cyclops says to quicksilver like yeah well you're gonna do something right for the first time like you little snot or something he calls him a little snot i know that word for word i don't remember the rest of the line <laughs> But it is so funny. I was just looking at it and I was like, this is so great. Way to go, Cyclops. You really got someone. Yeah. Um, I also want to talk about uh, Wanda here, too, even though she's barely in this one. Yeah? What about her? What, what really stuck out to you? Well, her costume, and I know they, they changed her costume later on for Ultimate Avengers, but her costume is, she's pretty much, like, in power-wise, I mean, Wanda, they changed Wanda so many times that, like, any bird, you can say anything about anything is similar to the 616. But her costume is very much um, similar to 616 back then. Um, she's, um, she's not as openly villainous as the other Brotherhood. And, you know, um, but also, yeah. like, her powers are just weird. And I don't think Ultimate Marvel ever really explained her powers same thing with 616 until recently yeah i mean her powers were always pretty hazy especially early on i think in ultimate x-men she doesn't really get much time to do like very much like i think the main parts that i remember of her were like in the second arc when the x-men have been like captured by weapon x and the brotherhood comes to like help them out she's like a very active proponent there but you definitely, I think you get more of her, like, in the Ultimates. Yeah. But if 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 we go, if we are, because I don't think Ultimate Marvel really says in this one whether she's magical or not. But I think she's actually the most power. If, if what she's doing is magic, she actually is the most powerful magic character in Ultimate Marvel. Oh, I bet. Like, she's yeah. always been, like, insanely powerful. Even, like, yeah, in the main universe, too, like. MCU, it doesn't matter what you like. Scarlet Witch has like, yeah, some heavy duty abilities when it comes to like just magic and her mutant abilities, or depending on whether or not you buy the she's not a mutant retcon from like the main universe. Yeah, and this is such a contrast here because she goes like she calls like she calls them like her mutants, her brothers and sisters. What Storm does when she calls like mutants brothers and sisters and 
616 is what Scarlet Witch does in this universe. Yeah, she's very... I think she is pretty confident in this universe. And I think um, the Brotherhood like... itself is like its own little like community. They have like... in They're hiding out in the Savage Land, which is like this hidden zone in Antarctica where everything is just like lush and full of like wildlife. And they've got this whole community of mutants. It's insane. And they also have like little like cells and like in all these major cities too they're like they're like they exist in every single city because they're like mutants exist everywhere so like wherever there's mutants there's a brotherhood yeah totally i mean yeah i think it's cool showing like their influence as like kind of a power in the world oh and going just back to wanda for just a second i i do like this scene where they're fighting colossus and they're like colossus is unbeatable with his metal skin and Wanda just takes away the metal skin. Ooh, when was this? I like it was in. I think it was like one of the battles when they face off against the Brotherhood. It was in the first twelve issues. I, I remember they face Wanda and she goes, and they're like, "You can't beat Colossus if he if he has metal skin." And she goes, "Then I take away his metal skin." And she turns him back into like a human form. Ooh, I think I'll have to go back and see that one. Don't know yeah. if I caught that moment. I did like the the battle between in the early issues between the Brotherhood and the X Men. It showed a lot of good teamwork, I think, on the X Men's part. Like they were like firing all. That's what I love to see with the X Men is when they're like fighting as a unit, like fighting firing on all cylinders. It was a fun fight, and I want to point out too. There's a moment where, like, for the first half of the fight, I'm pretty sure Wolverine is like peeing in an alley somewhere, and they keep talking about it oh yeah oh my god so funny oh my god it's like i don't think he's serious now come on logan and like and then he just comes out of nowhere and he's got to be like yeah there's got to be like the longest p in history or something it's so i i I like some of the dialogue in this it's really funny and like i think when they attack the brotherhood's base for the first time and quicksilver says to the blob like ah do you break wind without authorization again it's like that's ridiculous (laughs) And there's another scene where they're like, I think Quicksilver goes, I only feel like I have an intellectual conversation when I'm talking with you, Wanda. And she goes, funny, I only have an intellectual conversation when I'm talking to myself. <laughs> Dang, she got him. Yeah. Quicksilver gets destroyed, like, just emotionally in this book. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Quicksilver ever had it easy um, in any universe, to be honest. He's always had it rough. Yeah, he, I, he definitely has. But... I. He, He's just uh, oh, so mistreated. Poor guy. Yeah. I think there's like a comic where like it's revealed that uh, in 616, Wolverine says, all I had to do to beat Quicksilver is just like put my hands somewhere up in the air and is eventually going to run into my fist. Oh, that always happens. Yeah. I remember an old Spider-Man comic where that happened. He just like held out his arm and Quicksilver ran into it. Oldest trick in the book. And I feel sad for Quicksilver because it's like, oh, the old thing is that it's fast. And it's like... But North Star could like they is canonical that North Star could like destroy the Earth just by going at full speed, and he could fly. Yeah, gosh, these poor these guys just have no brains. I'll just say that, like they're out of control with their powers. Yeah. So, do you want to move on to the Weapon X storyline? Oh yeah, let's do it. Okay. I mean, the Weapon X storyline really gets to, like... I don't know, the X-Men get to feel what it was like to be Wolverine. Like, they... Uh, so, Weapon X basically goes 
they capture uh, almost all of the X-Men, except Wolverine, because Wolverine's out just doing whatever he, it is he does. I think he said he was, like, leaving. And so they go and they capture the X-Men, and it's very much like in X2, the second X-Men movie, where, like, Weapon X raids the mansion and attacks. And I, it was very reminiscent of that to me. I think this came out before X2, so I'm pretty sure X2 got the inspiration for that. I mean, don't quote me on it. I'm no expert, but I think I, that definitely seems like where it comes from. I think so, too. And, and I believe in the X-Men movies, the Brian Singer movies, the Weapon X is different. The movie Weapon X is different from comic Weapon X. And Ultimate Weapon X is pretty similar to the movie Weapon X. Yeah, I mean, because it's connected mainly to like not like it's not like part of like the Canadian government now. It's like connected to the U.S. government and Shield too. Like it has like yeah, a Shield connection, which is very different. It is. It does have a Canadian connection too in this one. Oh yeah, I didn't know. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's it's revealed they actually invented mutants. I told you about this. It's like, and I'm not really sure because it's like a very weird take on mutants. Yeah, that is. Pretty- weird i mean we can get into that when we cover ultimate origins but uh weapon x also i think what's cool is they have a whole new team like they have like Sabretooth, like they did in the original comics but they have like other mutants in captivity that they're using for their purposes like rogue and juggernaut are like and nightcrawler yeah nightcrawler and that's very different takes on the characters because like i know juggernaut is like charles xavier's like stepbrother in the comics and rogue rogue was actually a member of the brotherhood mystique's brotherhood and yeah, she was mystique's daughter and nightcrawler is like one of the mainstays on the x-men so seeing him like captured by weapon x was pretty different and but to be fair to um nightcrawler he does defect pretty quickly he goes like i don't want to be part of this group they're forcing me yeah i think they keep nightcrawler very true to his character from the original comics i think what's fun is that they also, like, don't have him speak any English, because, of course, like, why would he? He's, like, from Germany, and he was captured. So, like, I think that's... And, but they still retain his heart. Like, Jean Grey goes into his mind at one point when the X-Men are captured by Weapon X, and she telepathically enters his mind. And it's a very nice place, and he's very sweet. And I think, yeah, that was a really nice part of it. And I think uh, in the end, so, like, the the X-Men have been, like, captured by Weapon X, and for a while they're being forced to go on missions for them. And eventually there's like a rescue by like the Brotherhood and like Wolverine, or like uh, Nightcrawler like saves like the guy in charge of the program because he doesn't want anyone else to die and he doesn't want anyone else to become a killer. Yeah, he, they very much kept his heart intact. They kept his religion. He's like, like this nice Catholic boy. Yeah. I mean, he's for just, now. He is the heart of the X-Men in the main universe. And in this yeah. universe, it seems like he's retained his personality, even though he has like had more violent experiences with Weapon X. Oh, they changed him too later on. They retcon him too. Jeez, why are they, they just do they just ruin all these characters eventually down the line? Kinda. <laughs> oh my God. Um, Some of them like were this, already bad. There's like this weird scene when Jean Grey goes into his head, but like she's in his underwear. She's in her underwear, and they're like, and I was like, why is that necessary? And she goes like, oh, yeah, like, when everyone knows I'm a telepath, they're like, they think of this. And I was like, no, I think it's just an excuse for artists to be gross. <laughs> maybe. Maybe just more excuses for artists to objectify women a bit. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, like, I think while we're on the topic of art, I want to say, I think the art is beautiful in this uh, in these first two storylines. They have, like, Adam Kubert and I think Andy Kubert for a few issues, too. 
and it's it's really stunning and well done i think that's definitely like i the design of everything i, I think it looks awesome oh yeah there's like a, a page i want to point out this is going back to the first arc even where those i think it's like the third or fourth issue where they're like rescuing wolverine from weapon x and it's like this shot this double page spread of the x-men like standing in front of the caravan and it is badass it is awesome oh yeah but uh i had a lot of i think that weapon x arc in general was really uh cool because it took things a bit darker it forced the x-men to do some like terrible things just because they were forced to in like captivity you know like at one point gene gray is forced to like kill like a scientist on a mission and uh like beast is just oh my god that's how beast gets it's cool how that's how they explain how beast gets his blue furry form is like it was in weapon x when they like experimented on him and like did things to him and you see them go through like horrible things like colossus too and like there are all these shots of just like them training them and you they get to get the full wolverine experience which i think was a big takeaway of this like they kind of got to sympathize with him a bit more and see why he is the way he is yeah and this is also the introduction of rogue and 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 like this is the this is the rogue from x-men evolution this is the goth rogue oh really yeah i really love the design for rogue in this one yeah there's a really cool uh design to it I think um, Juggernaut's a pretty unique, different design too. I kind of like that. He like you can't see his face at all, unlike the main version. But he's still like massive and like he's a tank. It's funny how like he and Rogue kind of grew up together too. That's very different. Oh yeah. Um, what was it? Funny, I was. Huh. I was about to say something and I forget, you know. Oh, that happens, man. Yeah. I, that happens all the time. We'll 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 keep going until it comes back to you. But yeah, thanks. No, yeah, thank you. Yes, and I, I remember. <laughs> Did you now. remember now? All right, good. I do I, remember. We were just gonna get yeah. into this cycle of thanking each other. All right, let's hear it. Okay. Yeah, we, it's revealed in the jail cell that uh, Rogue and a Juggernaut they were like really sympathetic to Magneto's ideas and it's like revealed like mutants really like the idea of you know the ten commandments of mutantum or Magneto like creating this new society and religion for them yes I mean there's a big division and like infighting even when they're in their cells in Weapon X they're like why are you trying to help humanity why are you trying to be part of them why don't you just like accept that we're better you know there's this tension especially when the brotherhood comes in in the end to like save them then there's debate of like do we kill our weapon x captors and there's this really cool moment where after everything they've been through like you know a few of them like gene iceman cyclops they're all like no we we have to be better and we can't stand any more death and violence like we've been through enough already it's done and that's a really powerful moment especially seeing like the debates like within just mutant kind i think they do a really good job like in the first two arcs in general just with like the tension Yeah, and I think it's, and I like, and I and I think that's something that actually carried on to. I mean, pretty sure it existed before Ultimates, but it carried on to six one six, where like you hear mutants go, like we're we're treated like trash. Why shouldn't Magneto be right? Of course, Magneto and six one six and Ultimates are is really different. Yeah, but, but still, yeah. 
And I, I think uh, Sabretooth even has his own views. He's not even with the rest of them. Sabretooth is just like, I don't like, I'm a mutant, but uh, humans are worse than animals even, is his logic. And he's like, so mutants are worse than humans, so I'm just going to be terrible, and I don't care. It's a very, like, almost a nihilistic viewpoint where he's just like, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to do what I want to be horrible. And they have that typical, like, Wolverine Sabretooth fight that's very familiar from the mainstream universe. I think they missed that in the movies, for sure, in, like, the first movie. Uh, especially but like yeah. i think that's a really cool debate they had yeah and i think um six ones um ultimate um sabertooth becomes this recurring villain of, of wolverine you know because that tension that, that they carried they brought over the that weird relationship between the two over from 616 yeah definitely and i think that was well done i think uh I'll just say it. Overall, I thought this was better than the Brian Singer movies. Like, I still love the main 616 comics more than this. Like, I still hold that above this. But, I mean, it's I, I'll say this for Ultimate X-Men. It's better than the movies. I mean, they get, like, a good team dynamic down. They give a little something extra to Cyclops, even though he isn't as great as his main version. And, I don't know, it's just... Uh, it's some good, fun X-Men. I think you could hand me any X-Men comic and be like, I'm going to devour this because it's, it's X-Men. Yeah. It, it's, it's, um, in the very beginning, they, they get, they condense down a lot of the stuff people like about X-Men, which is what Ultimate Marvel always wanted to do. They get what people liked and they just try to condense it down so it's easier to understand. So you don't have to read. 30 years of Wolverine comics to understand his origin. Yeah. You get it one one and done. I will say that like I wasn't a fan of some of the characterization like we were saying like Professor X, Jean Grey, even Storm. I mean like in some cases and Cyclops sometimes I was just like I kind of prefer the mainstream versions to this. Wolverine too with like the creepy Jean Grey stuff. He's still creepy sometimes in the main universe but not as much as this. But I, I think overall the story is like well done, and that captures a lot of themes and ideas of the X Men. Yeah. What do you think, Josh? What are you, some of your favorite things about this? Huh. I I, I like the simplification. I you know, like your set. Um, like you said, I don't like some of the characterizations of some of the characters because I think they go a little way overboard with with a lot of them. But I I, I do like the storyline. They 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 make it simple. It's easier to understand. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think my highlight is just like, they get the ideas down, and they get the team dynamic down, and I think that's just fun to see in itself. And if I want my the versions of the characters that I know and love, I can just go back and read... That's the cool thing about Ultimate. I can just go back and read the 616 comics, or watch some of my favorite cartoons, you know? They don't all have to be like consistent with like the main version. So it's something different, and I, I really like that. It was surprising. I thought this would be terrible. It, to be fair, the hints of what's terrible about Ultimate X-Men is there in the very beginning. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you just keep teasing me with like how horrible it's going to get. I cannot wait until we cover the rest of this, and I'm just going to be so disappointed. I think this is the longest-running Ultimate series after, other than... After Ultimate Spider-Man, this is the longest going. All right, well, let's we'll buckle in for that. See where it takes us. Yeah.
Gosh. So what's uh, what's next on our docket, uh, Josh? I think we'll probably go to the Ultimates next. I know they had uh, Ultimate Marvel Team Up. Uh, that's not really like, you know, the a main title, like Spider-Man, X-Men, Fantastic Four. It, it could be fun. We might do that at one point, but I think the next yeah. thing that we have targeted would probably be Ultimates. Yep, we'll do the the worst of the Ultimates, uh, the, the, the Ultimate Universe, the Avengers. Oh, wow. All right. I can't wait to hear your take on this then. Oh, I mean, like, the characters are just the most awful of all of them. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I cannot wait. Yeah. Let's talk about Ultimate Hank Pym. No. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll get to that next time. Um, so uh, I hope you guys enjoyed our take on Ultimate X-Men, if it did go a little long. But, uh, yeah, we'll be back with the Ultimates next time, and uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Bye. Bye.